Hello, everyone. It's me, DM Nathan, and welcome to another episode of Reckless A Talk, our bi-monthly TTRPG interview show where we sit down with some of the best, most interesting, most creative, and generally most pleasant TTRPG creators in the biz. This week is certainly no exception as I got to sit down with the bright sunshine of a person that is Lexi McQueen, a.k.a. Black Girl Mage. Lexi is a DM, game designer, and TTRPG and Magic the Gathering streamer, and she has been making waves the last few weeks and really months, DMing for actual D&D celebrities, including the one and only Matt Mercer from Critical Role. But she has also been churning out some really incredible world-building streams on Twitch for her upcoming show, Strixu, and has run several phenomenal games across a whole slew of different channels as of late. Lexi is, I think, one of the coolest, kindest, and most intentional thinkers in the space right now, and we definitely feel very lucky to have connected with her. I cannot stress enough, this interview is a delight, and so is she, and you will want to follow her and all the cool, cool stuff that she has coming down the pipe. Be sure to check the show notes for all the links to all the things. So, without any further ado, here is our extra-large interview with Lexi. Enjoy. Hi. Hi, Lexi. Hello. Hi. (laughs) Well, isn't it isn't it fabulous to see your audio only face around these parts? Those sound waves are looking pretty nice. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for joining. Uh, I am so I am fucking so excited. This has been weeks, months in the planning and plotting. And finally, the stars have aligned. And here we are. Thank you for joining us. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course, you're like one of the coolest people. And so it's one of those where it's like, you expressed even the tiniest bit of interest in ever coming on the show. (laughs) Done, easy. Yes, can we do it right now? Can we record right this second? (laughs) Easy, no problem. And here we are. Well, hello and welcome to Reckless to Talk. Lexi, for those at home who somehow either don't know of your might and glory or don't know the full extent of your might and glory. Could you please tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Might and glory. Love that. Um, yeah, my name is Lexi, otherwise known as Black Girl Mage on Twitter and Twitch. Uh, I do a lot of D&D streaming, D&D talking. Um, <laughs> D&D talking? Is that a thing? Uh, I like to... Y- yes. Yeah, That's what we're I doing do literally right now. This I is... <laughs> do, yeah. Um, a lot of philosophizing, um, not only just about like the future of D&D, but also just like the kind of adventures you bring to your table, lessons mm-hmm. you want players to learn, lessons you want to learn as a DM. Um, and so, yeah, I mostly do a lot of streaming of D&D prep and every once in a while I do video games. But yeah, mostly D&D, a lot of Magic the Gathering as well, where I play Commander and hang out with people and play cool games. That's also a fun part. And I do a lot of stuff outside of that, too, like language learning and music and art and other stuff. It's all it's a whole thing. It is a it is a whole thing, much like our last guest, uh, Matt from Dungeon Glitch. Yes, there are some people who I can be like, ah, yes, this is this person. Here's what you know them from. There's the thing, and then for both of you, it's like, 
I always make sure that you introduce yourselves, but like you especially introduce yourself because there's 17 million things you're doing all the time, every second. And I will miss them. It's just going, it's quick fire. It's like happening really, really fast. And even for myself, I don't realize till like an hour before something's <laughs> happening that something's happening. So. <laughs> we're all just, you know, we're all just trying to, to white knuckle onto life and just, yeah. you know, go from one thing to the next. One of the things that I do very much love about the stuff that you do and I'm like always flabbergasted at is your live world building that you've done on Twitch mm. and your live like campaign prep. A campaign we will be talking about yes. shortly. You were already awesome and so cool to talk to and just and just a neat person <laughs> and and My heart. and and creator and and all that kind of stuff. And then I started tuning in to those more often just as like, well, hey, cool. This like friendly person is is live. and Let's see what they're all about. And then would tune into those Twitch streams. And it was like, oh, this is not everyone can make this interesting and cool. And this is that. But, you know, that's not that's not where this where this story begins, Lexi. No, that's not that's not the beginning of the journey. And who are we to gloss past the annals of history. I'm trying really hard to keep going because you're laugh. You're trying not to laugh. And now I'm trying I am, so hard not to laugh. I, it's not going well for me either. All this is to say, I, first of all, I apologize to all the listeners in case I just start going off the rails. It is just because I'm trying to make Lexi laugh at some <laughs> dumb shit that I'm saying. I do the, I have like so many, I'm <laughs> the most expressive faced person I've ever met. And like, that's like, I feel like it's hard to meet yourself, but like, at at some point, you hear everyone tell you that they're watching your facial expressions to see <laughs> what's actually happening in a, se- like, in a sequence. And I just like at some point, I'm like, yeah, I accept it. I'm yeah. taking this. I will have the crown. Why not? Ex- exactly. Li- facially live out loud. Yes. I, you know, I am very pro that and and take great delight in it. Mm-hmm. All that is to say <laughs> what this is all building towards was, hey, Lexi. How did you get involved in tabletop role-playing games and in fantasy and in kind of all of the genre of it? Yeah. I mean, so fantasy actually came first because mm-hmm. my family, not even just my family, my parents are nerds. Um, they were like, this is like for anyone who's like against religion, whatever, it's like a little bit religious. They're Christian nerds, which means they had to pick and choose what they could enjoy. <laughs> and they mm-hmm. picked Lord of the Rings. Very relatable. I know <laughs> yeah. that as I, I look at my own parents and see similar, similar kind of yes. things. Picked um Lord of the Rings. My mom was the kind of person that like was in the theaters when Star Wars re- was released. My dad was a big comic books guy. Like he loved Batman, loved Superman. Um, anything DC, very much into that kind of thing. And then growing up, my brother and I would watch Lord of the Rings, like little bits and pieces. We would watch bits and pieces of media. And because we weren't allowed to like watch everything, we would have to make up things ourselves. So fantasy kind of got introduced (laughs) pretty young because I'd be like, I'm going to make my own version of that TV show called Hannah Montana or like <laughs> <laughs> she's got Classic laser cannons and a gun boot. Yes. Hannah like, Montana. It's just like those kinds of things. Me and my brother actually, this is like a story. I tell a lot of people this story just because it's, it's, it's like directly <laughs> illustrative of my brother and I's yeah, relationship. Very demonstrative. Um, yeah, exactly. My brother and I would write stories. We would sit over the summer and write these really long stories 
And I think the longest one we got to was like 200 pages. And we called my mom one day because we believed in this story so much. I called my mom and she picked up the phone and I'm bawling my eyes out. (laughs) And she's like, why are you crying? And I said, Gabe told me that he's going to get the rights to the movie, (laughs) to the movie (laughs) of this story. And I want the rights. (laughs) we like fought about this and she was like i'm fully at work you're yeah, 12 right. years old i don't know what to tell you like it you, can't you guys be that are technically good. old enough to figure this out please exactly. please do please it was just it's it's one of those things where like our brains were kind of fueling themselves with like fantasy and other kind of wondrous ideas mm-hmm. since we were younger And then as I got older, we were able to like actually fully watch things like The Matrix and Lord of the Rings and things like that. And I started just like writing more fantastical things. Tabletop didn't actually come into my life until senior year of high school. I heard about Mm D&D and I went to someone I used to work at a laser tag, go-karts, mini golf, mini bowling place. What Um, was your job? I was the laser tag marshal. God. Um, fucking, coolest, coolest that's a that's ever. a good job title. Like yeah, it, it could have been way dumber, and that that that's pretty good actually. Exactly, it was great. I got to like, I did my whole spiel of like a, you know, I'm telling everyone how to wear your vest yep. and all that kind of stuff. Yep. I didn't like bully kids, but I had power <laughs> to be like, hey, don't talk while I'm talking, or I'm taking right. your entire seventh birthday party and kicking them out of this game. <laughs> you had like, authority. I yeah. had authority. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was great. <laughs> Um, but I worked there and one of the dudes that I worked with, I started asking and talking about D and D and he was like, yeah, I play in a D and D campaign. And I was like, oh, can I join? Cause I didn't know how D and D worked. And he said, no, he was like, no, <laughs> I'm so sorry. We're super far into a campaign. Yeah. I didn't know what that meant sure. at all. So I thought all D and D games were closed. Like I was like, <laughs> oh no, guess I'm done. You got to get it. it ground floor only. Yeah, I was like, well, if the breaks are this tough, you know, I guess I shouldn't (laughs) play it. It took junior, it took me getting to junior of college where I had a friend who's like a friend and her twin and he started running Curse of Strahd for us. Me and my friend got super into it. We had accents. We had like, I fully built out like a cleric. I was so excited. And it just like, we got one session in. (laughs) And it crumbled. Yeah, I was um, waiting for I was waiting for the shoe to drop. It really yes. felt like this was not ending well for junior yeah. junior year. Lexi. No, but uh, I ended up grabbing a DM's guide because after that I was like, oh, this is really cool. Wonder if I could tell these stories myself. <laughs> uh, and immediately got like sucked into everything. Yeah. yeah. So it's been about I think senior year was when I f- like. T- it was the tail end of senior year too. I spent a long time writing and making maps and stuff. So I think senior year was when I fully started, but it was the tail end of senior year that I like fully sat down and was like, I'm going to make a campaign. Yeah. Um, I started off with my Disney campaign and then we were like, oh, this is a lot. Um, and I started my first like, I would call it serious game at the end of my senior year of college. So that was the beginning of COVID. So that's <laughs> here that's, we are now. <laughs> that's where we are. Yes. Well, first of all, for those who don't know, you just very casually dropped the words Disney campaign. <laughs> um, and I, I think that's I, I, I know of it. Yes. Um, but but others might not. And I feel mm-hmm. like like you said, that's a very instructive bit 
about 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 you and that that was your first campaign that mm-hmm. you ran was yeah. elaborate. <laughs> so yes. what was the Disney campaign? The Disney campaign was it was set in a world called Yeznid and it was <laughs> <laughs> I was being very very uh discreet the listeners Uh, at home can work that out for themselves yes take out a piece of paper and a pen um (laughs) the cipher begins yes um if you figure out the cipher by the end of this episode (laughs) then congratulations that's it some sort of easter egg um yeah so it was set in yesnid and the idea it all kind of sparked from one of those pinterest posts that like people who don't play DD but know you play DD send to you where they're like this person on tumblr said that you should run a game of PTA mobs. And I'm like, so do you, what world is that set in? And what races and classes are like, tell me how this works. Um, And the person cannot answer me. So it was one of those things where they kept sending me like, oh, I want to play Disney, like a D and D campaign where you play as Disney characters. They kept sending me little pieces of like, people had that had drawn the Disney princesses in night gear, which I love anyway, but right. I was like, okay, I have to figure this out because I recognized from the very start that my players were probably going to be the most important thing to this game. And if I was messy, if I messed up or whatever, like these are my closest friends, but also if we're still playing an adventure that they love, then I was like, it doesn't matter. Like we'll figure it out from there. That's um, fascinating. Not to interrupt, yeah. but like, yeah, I'm curious at this point. So as far as the story goes, you had a session of Curse of Strahd and then mm-hmm. you just devoured materials and created materials for like yep. a full year. Yeah. So at this point, what other what other context, like either from live streams or cultural context or the internet or whatever, were you consuming? Because what you just said is a very like that's a nuanced DM take. Like mm-hmm. many DMs still have not figured that out. And many DMs it takes a while for them to figure that out. So to have that in your first real campaign uh is is very interesting to me. Yeah, I think at that point in time, I was only watching Critical Role and listening to Not, Not Another d Podca- mm-hmm. Podcast. Um, I hadn't even started, I don't even think, I, I think D20 was out by then, but I hadn't even started watching them yet. It was just Critical Role and NADPOD and just kind of like watching a lot of YouTube videos of yeah. people talking about creating for d and I think that that take, I, I was very scared because... I will say there was a secret little mini <laughs> D&D experience in between my first and then the Curse of Strahd one where the my entire friend group tried D&D and it fell apart like very quick. And so I knew that like them saying yes to me was like I was on thin ice. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, yeah. It was like it was one of those things where I got the lesson because I was like okay, these people are the only people that will say yes to playing <laughs> D&D with me. Yeah. These are the only people I trust. They've sent me tons of inspiration. They're obviously inspired by their characters. Like they immediately were texting me like in our group chat talking about like, oh, what kind of character would I build? And then I started entertaining them and like humoring them and being like, (laughs) oh, what what grace and class would they be? And they got so excited that I was like, okay, I kind of have to do this now. Yeah. Chase Um, the excitement. Yeah. And it became one of those things where I started serving the players with how I was doing. I was still having so much fun because I was making my own map. I was coming up with these little stories that would tie into theirs. And I was having, I was feeling like a DM behind the scenes. Yeah. Um, And then realizing that I was making the story that my players really wanted was 
super, super fun. It was a great formative experience for me. And like that campaign, it went on for a solid amount of time because we played it before COVID hit and then we did it over Zoom for quite some time afterwards. Like I still have video recordings on my computer from where we were like playing with our backgrounds changed to like Disney backgrounds <laughs> and stuff. And we're awesome. doing all that kind of stuff. Setting the scene. Yeah, exactly. And like, I say this quite a bit on my live streams, but I don't think a lot of people talk about like when campaigns fall apart, why? Mm-hmm. And like what they learned about it, I guess. I yeah. don't always yeah. hear people say like, I think people only talk about like, oh, I ran this campaign for six months or six years or whatever. And that's great. I, as a DM, have not been able to finish a long-form campaign just yet. And that's partially because I'm pretty new to it. But that Disney campaign kind of fell apart because I was serving the players with a story that engaged them as players. But they were tied to this idea of Disney and, like, Disney characters. And, like, I had... (laughs) I had Kronk, I had Kida, <laughs> and I had Jim Hawkins from it was just Treasure Planet. Straight up had those, like, but they were Planet, just yeah. were those characters, just straight yeah. up? they were playing those characters. We had done, like, Kronk <laughs> is a barbarian, and at first yep. he was, like, the ki- player, she was playing him as, like, a um, bear totem barbarian, but then I found, like, more of a, I think I found, like, a homebrew uh himbo totem she <laughs> was like this is perfect because this is the she, one she wanted to talk to the yeah. like every evil thing that came along and she wanted to be able to charm them but she didn't have those capabilities so right. I was like, that's absolutely up his alley we had kita who was a cleric um of knowledge and then jim was a gunslinger like a basically gunslinger pirate fighter class and they all felt very very tied to the actions of those characters in the movies because yeah, it's already preset. That makes sense. And I didn't realize it, but we had kind of ripped away the idea of like making a character that feels like your own mm-hmm. because we all inherently put ourselves into our characters. And so there was no catharsis when a character did something that might have actually mattered a lot to the player if I don't know if if it was their character. Yeah, if they were not playing Kronk from Emperor's New Groove. Yes, exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, it's of like, course. It's like when my Kita gets a letter from the person they're trying to cr- protect or like Milo all the way from whatever that she's doing good work. It's like that feels way more cinematic, like we're continuing the mythos of the movie yeah. rather than if the player had made a character who was a queen who ran away looking for a cure for something and she receives a letter from someone she loves that she's doing good work. It's like kita getting a letter is different than i put my heart and soul into this character that represents something about me like running away from home or something about me um wanting to know that i'm doing good and like being willing to do whatever it takes to do good in this world and then getting one letter that says you're doing great from someone that i love Mm -hmm. that is way more cathartic and so they were like experiencing the highs and lows of lacrosse but they weren't (laughs) (laughs) experiencing it in their souls because they didn't yeah these characters yeah so that's like that was my first campaign. It lived for quite a bit. It breathed a good breath and then it died <laughs> and more things have come from it. But that was the first real campaign I got to like sit down and make and like feel super attached to and learn a lesson from mm-hmm. um, without it crumbling because of like scheduling reasons. Right. Yeah. It was funny. And when you were talking about that is like the only thing people do talk about are scheduling, you mm-hmm. know, scheduling or problem players or like. Eh, you know, interest waned or whatever. Yeah. 
so that sounds very valuable that you're able to break it down to that level and recognize like, ah, I see, I see what the problem was mm-hmm. um, and kind of move forward accordingly. So I have, a, I have a bunch of follow-up questions to that then. Yes. Um, so first of all, you spent a lot of time, A, you were just interested in, in D&D and tabletop role-playing games, but you said you spent a lot of time preparing, doing maps, doing all kinds of stuff and talking to your players and talking through like, what class would Kronk be? And, you know, that sort of thing. And then obviously you you have a lot of passion and excitement at the table, working with players and having those emotional moments and platforming and that kind of stuff. For you as a, as a creator, what part, if any, really invigorates you about tabletop role-playing games? You know, like what's the part that's like, this is why I DM? Yeah, I think weaving players into things probably mm-hmm. my favorite part because there's been a couple of worlds like the Disney World thing has been reinvigorated that's why I've been doing it more on my live stream and stuff because I'm like the idea of throwing players in this world again seems so exciting and it I'm finding myself it's actually hard to world build for that world because what fuels me is I think I said this before my players were already sending me inspiration like already sending me things they're like oh this would be so cool to have this in the world or like what if aurora was this instead of this i don't know they were hyping it up for themselves yeah making it more their own version of it yeah making it more exciting for them to jump into the world Mm -hmm. so that when i did say yes i will run this campaign it was like huge fist pump we started immediately (laughs) like talking about like characters family lines like all that kind of stuff and that makes me like feel more creative than just about any other process. Mm-hmm. I think also just like in general DMing makes me feel very proud. Like the actual sit down at the table yeah. in front of people and running a story makes me feel extremely innovative. It makes me feel creative. It makes me feel powerful. Not in a way that's like, I am stronger than everyone right. else at the table, but <laughs> like we are doing something together yeah. right here, right now. It, it It feels like improv. It feels like Shakespeare. It feels like, a hymn, like it's all of these things kind of coming Mm -hmm. together at the table. But I think the process just before that of being like, let's create these strings and tie them into the world that like invigorates me. Yeah. The Um, the collaboration, it sounds like is the the thing. Yeah. Is the juice. Yeah. It's, it's, and it's kind of gotten to the point where when I play with people, if it's a one shot that I'm like, I don't really care. I'm just trying to test out a, a story idea or whatever. I'm super okay with people like bringing their own characters, but I've had people even ask me before, like, oh, I've played this character in this other thing. Can I bring it here? I think I've made an exception maybe once or twice where I've been like, yeah, go for it. But for the most part, because of how exciting, excited it makes me and also the actual tie to the buy-in to the world that you get from that as a result, I like most like, like I mostly do not say yes to like bring your own characters. I'm just like, no, like, like let's do a new thing. Yeah, like, let's mm-hmm. figure out our own way to tie you in. Here's the world. Here's the situation. Does anything strike you as, like, inspiring? And usually people are able to come up with something after that. I don't think I've ever met anyone who's been like, oh, well, <laughs> I've been playing this character for 10 years and I wanted to play it again. But I think that that moment before the collaboration and then sitting down at the table to actually play and, like, having the story sprawl out in front of you, like, I could do that for tens of hours, honestly. Well, and and you have live yeah. on stream. Like <laughs> I've watched you for tens of hours alone do that. And and something that, that struck me and is a good follow-up, I think, to this, for for me, I I definitely, you know, much like you, get a lot of juice 
from the collaboration and from kind of the lines that the players help draw. And then I can just, like you said, just, I'll just spew for hours in my own brain and just go, right? This is, this is the very artsy version of this question. Where does like creation start for you? Like when you're starting down either a one shot, whether you are, you know, you're like, okay, cool. I have a limited series in this system that I'm going to be running Mm -hmm. on stream or for friends or whatever, you know, where, where does that kind of process begin for you? And, and what do you, what do you like doing in it? Yeah. I mean, my process kind of comes from plot and Mm -hmm. any inspiration I can find. So I grew up screenwriting, so I started off writing those little stories with my brother. Yeah. Um, but then I moved on to film as like a descriptive media because I just really enjoyed short films for a long time. Like I would sit and watch sci-fi short films and horror short films and all different kinds of stuff. And it really put me in awe to see what people could do in five minutes or people could do in eight yeah. minutes or even just 30. And so I was super in awe of that. And I started writing my own films. I'll either start with plot or I'll think like if I see a piece of media or I see a character that I'm like, oh, my God, I'm in love with this concept. Yeah. I have a little note on my phone that's been going on for like four years now (laughs) that Uh I literally write down like every single character idea piece of like if if there's a piece of art that I'm like, oh, this would make a great NPC. I will drop it and throw it in. I start writing down lines. I write down lines that I've heard. I write down character ideas i write down class ideas um like one thing i wrote was touch is a sacred thing a nova burst style paladin that needs to touch their enemy in order to cause damage um i have the line written down this is what pushes men to the bottle um i heard that (laughs) once and i was like this is that was extremely epic okay yes that's so smart i'm gonna Um, absolutely steal that immediately so good um i'm trying to see where Encounter idea, Sloth King. Be escorted by a troop of eight human guards. But why is the sloth so well-respected and (laughs) well-guarded? I don't know. Good question. We'll figure it out. No idea. Um, (laughs) And it's like stuff like that. I will take and find emblems and old like museum pieces. Because there's a lot of Twitter accounts that like post like one museum piece a day. And I will take those and I will describe them how I see them. And just practice describing. Oh, that's um, awesome. And so a lot of things come from that. I, I will start with a world idea and then I go directly into a plot, whether it's a plot of the first adventure, whether it's a plot of the overarching. Yeah, this is going to be the conflict. And then I start pulling from these inspiration notes. Like I have tons of them of just like quotes advice characters movies screenshots words that i am inspired by things like that and i start throwing those into the world in different places if i think that this is like if i think that's appropriate for an area i'm like oh this character they're a they're an angel or they're an artificer with like gem wings that they've created for themselves where would they live and i just throw them (laughs) somewhere i'm like you live there now (laughs) And I walk away. <laughs> You've just dropped like 18 things in a row that are just <laughs> bonkers, amazing things. Nuts. And I'm going to edit all of it out to protect your IP. Thank you. Know, you. And or like do some like bleeps over it. Um, <laughs> just so that, you know, 
you you deserve ownership over these yes. over these things. Or if anyone uses them, you know, be sure to to tell Lexi and I uh, <laughs> when you shove them in your games. Exactly. Uh, and go from Lexi there. and Nathan TM. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, so I'm curious as someone who enjoys making, you know, enjoys the story and enjoys, of course, collaborating with the players when you're telling a story or when you're consuming a story or whatever, what are the kinds of stories thematically, genre wise, whatever that means to you that you gravitate towards or that you're interested in in exploring? Human stories, just straight up. I think my favorite stories in the world have to do with humans. And that's like very selfish, I think. But I think, and and I think a lot of people will say every story is a human story because it's either written by a human sure. or told by a human or might contain humans. Like yeah. <laughs> there's a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob's Burgers, is that a human story? There's humans in it, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's people, there's fully a family. <laughs> I would consider that a human story. I think certain stories really tell something about the inner workings of a person mm-hmm. versus the exterior and the world and how that affects the person. And so depending if it's an overarching like campaign story, campaign plot, then it's like, okay, what do I want the players to learn? And that might be, hey, capitalism's bad. Or maybe <laughs> yeah. capitalism's maintainable. Or maybe <laughs> um angels actually are different than what you might think, meaning your definition of good and bad might need to be inspected. Um, something to explore. Yeah. Something to explore. And I throw that and that that's not like it's a human thing, but it's really more of like a theme. It's more of like, let's explore beauty. Let's explore mm-hmm. the wilderness even. And that's cool. That's like an umbrella over the entire world. When it comes to my players and I start writing stories um, and plots before my players sit down. And then once we start collaborating, I start molding it towards them. I immediately turn to stories about the player. I immediately mm-hmm. start asking and poking and prodding. And I think any of my players can tell you this. I like, we'll start a session zero and they start describing their character. I'm like, cool. Um, so is your character, like your character, they idolize their mom. Are they afraid of her? Or do they actually truly love her? And like questions <laughs> like that. Yeah. <laughs> you um, ratchet it up. You take it like, oh, that's interesting. Let's 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 take it two to seven levels higher, please. Yes. I'm like, I need these. I need conflict. Yeah, of um, course. And I think like I just lean towards those kind of stories where it is absolutely fully about the person, um, fully about learning. Even the stories I've told in Chrome have underlying meanings to them because that's kind of like what cyberpunk is um is that it's always saying something about the future we're going to create chrome um, your limited limited run correct correct your your yes. short-term series uh, yes. streamed on twitch cyberpunk uh what what was that what channel is that on it is on utopia twitch.tv slash utopia indeed go check yeah. it out it's awesome i watched the first episode it's fucking great yeah, it's a I I pick morals and I go after them because morals are inherently human. I think it'd be fun to be like, oh, what are druids like, or like have a story that's just based around like, I don't know. I think even what are druids like is a very inherent story. I don't know. You could take a a, a TV show and pick apart a Disney TV show and pick apart things that are not inherently like a human story. Like we're not learning anything from the main character like accidentally texting their crush that they like them <laughs> too early versus 
I think of like that's so Raven, like and one of the episodes where um like there was inherent fat phobia happening in the episode and what I as a kid learned from that episode and like how to stand up for myself, what that even looked like. And even though I didn't know the extent of everything, I still was like, I learned. Mm -hmm. And like, those are the stories I lean towards. And I just talked for a whole long time, but yeah, anything that is just like, that's literally the whole point Yeah, is that you're supposed to talk for a whole long time. So yeah, crushing it. Big, big, I want like big, I think catharsis is the word I'm going to keep using there. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mostly because not only do we bring characters to the table because we want to play the characters, because we think something's cool about them, we bring ourselves to the table. And I will say this once, I'll say it again. I really think tabletop games and the hardships and then the overcoming of the hardships that we go through in those games, those are like little mini vaccines for the real world and the hardships that we face in the real mm-hmm. world. Not saying like playing a character in a game that deals with their parents and like racism or xenophobia as an elf or whatever is going to make you be able to handle it better in the world. Like, or not even handle it better, but make you completely just rolls off your back whenever you see it in real life. Right. Or have more nuanced takes or whatever it is. It's not going to cure it or whatever. Exactly. It's going to, it's, it's, but it's like a vaccine where it will Mm -hmm. continue the continued repetition, like, repeated exposure to it will help over time and it helps us develop more complex reactions to those things and so i usually lean towards stories that will like feel good to the players without directing like targeted trauma like, yeah it's just, yeah it's a balance always yeah, yeah I was gonna it's ask a balance about- <laughs> but yeah i'm never going directly at like oh i see you're having issues with your family in real life well guess what's gonna happen in this game like i'm yeah. never never doing that yeah there's a line yeah. <laughs> it's still a character it's still rolling dice absolutely. absolutely so yeah have there been any any stories for you that were big tentpole either tentpole stories for like ah this is what I, you know, what formed me or formed my kind of understanding of stories or have there been any stories that served as vaccines for you? You know, stories that you saw kind of the power that they can have. Obviously, you've talked about a few already, mm-hmm. but um, anything that that stands out to you that has mattered to you? Specifically in tabletop or like books, films, that kind of stuff? All of the above. All of the above. Um, Interstellar. Is one. Ooh. I know that there's jokes about film bros liking like Interstellar. <laughs> like if they like Interstellar, turn <laughs> Classic around. Classic film bro. Yeah. Me. Yep. Classic. Yeah, that's me. Um, <laughs> I think Interstellar is a movie that captures its theme in such a complex way. And then they say it out loud. Good, yes. Like, thank you, Anne Hathaway. Love you so much. <laughs> you said it out loud yep. and you shouldn't. And it's not, it's not her fault. Like it's fully not her writing. Um, but it captures its theme in such a complex way in almost every aspect, whether it's the world, whether it's scientific speak and jargon, the characters, how they speak to each other, how they love and hate each other. Mm -hmm. All of it embodies the theme and like the theme that love pervades time and space. Like love is stronger than all of these things. Mm -hmm. I just like turn the volume down when she starts her little speech and then I turn <laughs> it back on and it's the perfect movie. Um, but it's, it's like, that is one of the, that was probably one of the most formative things for me. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this book called the hate you give that is, it's about a black girl who has uh, 
she deals with W.E. Du Bois's like double identity, like the idea that you will be one black person at home with your family and then another black person when you are at a school full of like white kids Mm -hmm. or like in a grocery store where you need to fit in or like running in a neighborhood, like Mm -hmm. you're going to be a different person. And maintaining that is just like, it's just a lot. And that book captured voice so well Mm -hmm. and captured something in my head so well. I've read a lot of books, but I think that that book was the first book that felt like it grabbed my forehead, yeah. gave me a kiss, <laughs> and then like just like sat me down and comforted me. Like it was the first book that showed me what voice actually meant mm-hmm. outside of just like, oh, this author uses this word a lot, or like this author tends to use a lot of floral speak. It's like voice is like when you recognize like you fully resonate and see yeah. too mm-hmm. and so both of those things i'm also a big um, movie scores girl i grew up like like i said religious so i listened to a lot of movie scores because that was my way around it i was like there's no <laughs> lyrics in a han zimmer score like yeah. you can't tell, <laughs> you can't tell me he's singing um so i listened to a lot of movie scores And a lot of what I would write would be to how I felt. And so I would pay attention to how the music tries to make you feel, even in just one like little tiny score or like one tiny piece, see how it makes you feel and then write to that arc of like what that feels like. So there's been, I think, Inception's music, Interstellar's music, once again, Black Panther's music, Man of Steel, like, oh, I'm going to name everything Hans Zimmer, but like, There's just been some very formative things where it's taught me how to write and how to get through an arc through music even. And Mm -hmm. like I grew up playing as well. So like that's everything has that like natural, you know, intro, climax, denouement, like coming down, feeling like or if it doesn't, there's a reason and you inspect why and you look at that, too. So I feel like those movies or that movie, there's a lot of movies, um, books lot of books i think more recently something inspiring to me is haunting of hill house i don't Ooh. like horror <laughs> cannot no. do it i, I like wikipedia horror a horror a lot yes, yes i love checking out the wikipedia pages two weeks afterwards yes. i got i have to i'm compelled to know what happens yeah. but i don't usually want to watch it yeah yeah it's i think i also think One of the reasons, I'm going to say this, it's going to echo exactly what I said before about human stories. One of the reasons I don't like horror is because I can sit there through a jump scare, but what is not that, what's more scary to you? A ghost that appears in your house and starts making noise and makes your life a living hell, or a man who, no matter how smart you are, he does everything and knows everything one step ahead of you and will kill you tonight. (laughs) It's the human story. It's the human like mm-hmm. the ghost feels like ghosts and stuff feel like a cop out for actual fear because like you can throw a jump scare anywhere. Whereas actual fear is the fact that we live on an earth with millions of humans and we don't know what anyone's <laughs> going to do at any point in time. Sorry if I'm introducing any anxieties, but yeah, that's, that's terrifying to me. So like mm-hmm. haunting of Hill house is just a horror story that while it is throwing jump scares at you, it is examining the shit out of its fam- this family mm-hmm. and like going through each person's stress, each person's trauma, how they were treated as a child and how they were gaslit and how that creates their adulthood. Mm-hmm. And each of them represents even like different stages of grief. Um, and that to me is like, that was very, I rewatched that all the time. Because I'm just like, I'm more interested in characters and like seeing these characters through the story of like 
why were there ghosts in our house? Like you could just that's that's the overarching campaign plot. Why are there ghosts in our house? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> then you got that's all the, these that's the elevator pitch. Is why exactly. are there ghosts in our house? Exactly. But actually, <laughs> then you take these characters, and the ghosts in the house is the thing you learn at the very end. But we follow these characters and watch them unpack trauma, be traumatized because they cut back to childhood. We watch them as adults deal with it. We watch them fall in love. We watch them hate each other. We watch them. And that, to me, inspires me so much more than just like a horror movie where something scary happens and it's like revolutionary scary because nobody's ever written a story like that before. Like, great, cool. I I, I care more about the humans in the story. I care more about us changing as people. Yeah, that's a really, I think that distillates a lot of what you said previously very well of Mm -hmm. Let's use people to explore what it means, what one aspect of humanity's relationship to X, Y, Z, to each other, to, to grief, to blah, 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 whatever it is. Heck yeah. Let's talk about your perfect example (laughs) of a store. I don't know. I I thought that that would be a nice transition, but then I was like, that's a lot of pressure, isn't it? You gotta commit. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I don't. It's my show. You're I, right. I, I, You're I can right. uncommit and recommit as many times as I want. Let's talk about let's talk about Strix U a little bit here. Yes. Lexi. So for those who do not know, can you talk just the you know, give the well, give the elevator pitch. Uh, it hasn't aired yet, but you've been publicly working on it for a very long time. Mm-hmm. There's a fucking all-star superpower cast that's been Oof. announced. But, but tell the people at home what it is. <laughs> yeah. So the Strix is essentially a, well, something that has not really been talked about. I haven't really said it super publicly, but only a <laughs> few people, uh, a lot of people who watch my stream will know this. The Strix is actually a four-part limited series that will then open up into a 10-episode part uh, series. Mm-hmm. The four-part which is what we're recording right now. We have one more episode to, to record and then I'm editing it and then we're going to release it. It's going to be so great. They're going to focus on this cast, Strixhaven University students. They're six sophomores who are within their first week of coming back to Strixhaven University and they have to make a hard decision that will either help or hinder their future. And the following season after that, we'll kind of just show how those choices play out, mm-hmm. which is kind of fun. Um, a consequences arc. We love the we love <laughs> to see it. I also I also love the consequences arc is more than double the length of the <laughs> here's what you did arc, shall we say? Yes, <laughs> like absolutely. Now we're, now we're digging into those consequences, and then the consequences of those consequences. Exactly. Exactly. Strixhaven is just like it is a magical college setting. For those of you who don't know, mm-hmm. um, Magic the Gathering and D and D are owned by the same company, which is so great and awesome. Which means that sometimes when Magic the Gathering sets, like Magic sets get dropped, there are books that are written and characters and car. It, like there's been classes, classes, monsters, adventures, settings. Yes, Ravnica. the crossovers are real. The guilds from Ravnica, all of that kind of stuff is from Magic originally. Um, And so Strixhaven is Magic's answer kind of to uh, JK asshole. Um, (laughs) She who must not be named in the parlance of the world. Exactly. Um, Rather than the idea of people and characters who are defined like as 
you're good, so you go over here. You're bad, so you go over here. And everyone else scatter. <laughs> um, instead of it being that, it's split into these five college. First of all, it's college level. And it's split into these five colleges that are based on polarities instead. So law and order, chaos and uh, chaos and actually, no, no, no. Law and chaos, theory versus like balancing theory and heart almost, mm-hmm. I want to say. Like, like rationalism point- versus yes. like rationalism. Emotion. Yes, exactly. Rationalism versus is it imperialism? Is what it's called in philosophy? Philosophy? I think it's I think it's imperialism. Um They're all balanced. There yes. are different ones. Elemental fury versus like the beauty of art. There's five different schools and players choose their school based on these polarities. And you mm-hmm. can be one or the other and you can identify with one or the other. Um you can go into different schools too. Um and you can play any class in any school. So it's kind of fun to just sit down and have your friends do like a little magic college arc. It's really fun. What captured your imagination about the kind of Strixhaven setting and concept as a way, cause you're not, you're homebrewing it also. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is not, this is not the, from the book Strixhaven by any <laughs> no, means. Is this not. is the, the Lexi plus player special version of it. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah, first of all, what captured your imagination about the magical college kind of atmosphere and story backdrop i think that something that caught me was um i never watched harry potter until last year um so i was like i hung out i I, first of all i played the strixhaven set like a lot i still have two two decks from the strixhaven set that i play nonstop. like one of them is my main (laughs) commander and the other one is just like hey for fun here we go so i kind of had an understanding of most of the decks most of the vibes of the schools based off of playing magic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then once i realized they were releasing a set i got really interested in those polarities i got really interested Mm -hmm. in the settings of the schools and what that looked like and then my motto human stories i i loved and hated college when strixhaven dropped i don't think Mm -hmm. it was fully a year ago but like when strixhaven the book dropped i was very much looking back at my college years and like trying to figure out what i loved and what i hated about them yeah um just because i was like reevaluating reevaluating relationships reevaluating adulthood all that kind of stuff (laughs) yeah and i thought about at in college i had a huge friend group that was like six people strong like six to ten people at any point in time and i thought about how people started breaking away and Mm -hmm. what that looked like and the evolution of that and strixhaven just like started calling to me of like you need to do this and i never i never had the intention of running the actual camp. Like I wanted to run yeah. the campaign, but then I was like, oh, this is not, I don't care about any of, any of this. Like nobody cares <laughs> about learning. To what, you, to what you were interested in exploring. Exactly. I started looking at how do I do this in a way that makes sense. Like school is still a backdrop and school is still a pressure, but it's more so encouraged that you skip, like to go do your own thing. Um, and I started thinking about like, what kind of world has this big old school and like the school has to cost like millions and billions of dollars <laughs> for the, for everything. Like what kind of world is this set in? And then I started, I actually started writing a world based around the Strixhaven setting. Something that could contain such a thing. Yes. And so then I 
immediately was like, okay, I need to play with an all black cast. I've never done this before. It's going to happen now. Um, And had you done any, just because kind of when I got to know you was when you were already kind of streaming already, you know, kind of being a quote unquote, like, I don't know, D and D public, whatever, whatever the fuck we call ourselves kind of situation. So is this the first kind of like, okay, I'm doing this for others or for like an audience kind of thing that you've done? Yeah. And if so, which, yes, yeah. uh, <laughs> like you said, uh, what what like prompted you to, to take that extra step? Um, because that's, it's a weird thing. It's a weird thing that we do yeah. to be like, I want to do this for other people. Yeah. I mean, I've been watching the space for a while. Um, I have fully been in the space for a year now. Um, and it took me a long while of watching, talking to my mentor and thinking about what starting and doing something actually looks like, because I think a lot of people rush into it super fast because they want to make, and with my filmmaking background, I would write a lot of films and there was a few that I actually tried to make and every single time they would fall apart, not because they weren't good because they weren't <laughs> but more so <laughs> that's not why they fell apart yeah that's not why they fell apart mostly because people would say they could do things and then they would and i was just like wanting to make i just wanted to have things on youtube have sure. things to my name so i could show people what i was doing and prove that i was a filmmaker um that i would just like recruit whoever said yes mm-hmm. and then they would fall through because that's what people do when they're not super they're not super convinced on the vision they're not super convinced on the craft it's just like that's the symptom of it is if you rush into super fast, you might have a great group of friends that can figure things out. But for me, I spent a long time watching and I'd been asked, I'd run some one shots and I'd mostly been on other people's stuff, which was a great start for me. But the Strix had to be my first thing. Like I was like, this is going to be the thing that I am like. I, well, no, no, no. Okay, I can't say it's the first thing. We did do Bob's Battle Tavern first, and that has been terrible to edit because my computer is just <laughs> now good. Um, I will say that was my first thing, and after that, after doing that, I was like, I know that I can do this. This is going to be the thing that I attach my name to as an actual play, like long form series, mm-hmm. because I'm a big fan of doing shorter things. I'm a big fan of having small, um, palatable stories that people can spend two days listening to or one day at work like one day at work and then rest their day listening to um that kind of thing seems interesting to me but Strixhaven I started pulling on people and saying like like I sat down and I was like who who do I want to be in this cast um and something that's interesting about the cast is that I have like most of them before Strix I had maybe talked to one person one of them like consistently as a friend everyone else were people that before in the space i messaged them and i was like hey i think you're so dope i would love to hang out and talk sometime (laughs) Mm -hmm. and they were like yeah absolutely i've been seeing you blah 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 we had talked maybe once or maybe vibed on like a twitter thread and never spoke again right sure as is the way exactly love twitter Mm -hmm. um it's the wild (laughs) wild west yes uh but i ended up just pulling on these people and that's when i was like this is it like this is this is it it's going to be the actual play if people say yes then i'm going to go all in on this so that was i was bob's battle tavern definitely has my heart as like the first thing um that i pulled together and had 
but this is like the Strix is my first like actual play series that I'm like I'm sitting down and I'm gonna commit a long time to making sure this comes out um and this looks good and what is Bob's Battle Tavern for those who don't know Bob's Battle Tavern and where can I they find it god listen I don't know where you can find it yet <laughs> that's the hardest right. part yeah, yeah yeah got it something that is it is taking forever to edit because I had not a good computer up until recently, but um, hopefully soon I should mm-hmm. have it out on Utopia. Watch Twitter. Yeah, watch Twitter because I probably will post it either straight to YouTube or um, Utopia. I'll probably post it to YouTube and then blast it on Twitter. Um, but it was a Bob's Burgers themed <laughs> one shot that we filmed over two sessions two four-hour sessions and i cut it into two or four two-hour episodes so there it's it's like a one shot you can sit down and watch the whole thing um super super funny extremely amazing cast uh (laughs) and everyone's just playing like either a bob's burgers character or someone who's pissed off by a bob's burgers character (laughs) (laughs) Yep, that sounds about right. It's mm-hmm. the dream. It's the dream. It's D and D. So um, super fantasy <laughs> classic D and D tale. Exactly. 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 Uh, so back to uh, and is it is it the Strix? Yeah, you can call it the is Strix. The Strix, Strix U. We're um, we're figuring out branding, but Strix U uh, is good. The Strix, either one. You talked about kind of why that theme and that setting was was calling to you right mm-hmm. kind of your own introspection and was this was this kind of separate of planning a game or thinking about a game or a story and you just like were thinking about these things in life and then it's like ah hold on light bulb i see where this connects or is this kind of gearing up towards here are themes i want to explore in a thing whatever it is i think it was themes gearing up towards like strixhaven mm-hmm. the game like the book kind of got announced that they were doing it mm-hmm. and that mm-hmm. they were publishing it and i think that i didn't know that they published it till they actually did so it was out yeah and that's when i was like oh okay i'm gonna buy this <laughs> and then i started <laughs> reading through it online and i was like oh this is really good i was already thinking about like my life and like college and stuff but then i was like dang like this this could really this could really be interesting. And I never even got around to like, I got through the arcs a little bit, like whatever the adventures in the book are, but I was mainly focused on the polarities of each professor and like learning those back and forth and like trying to see how those were represented. And that kind of just became my thing was just like, think of the idea for, or the, the book came out and then I thought of the idea and then I was like, Oh God, I got to do this. <laughs> yep. Absolutely. Um, again, I'm sure it's evolved as players have come on and brought their own perspectives and stuff to it. But what were the theme? What were the themes? The elements? The the I guess experiences is maybe probably the best word for it that you were really interested in exploring, in capturing, in in kind of putting into into the show and into the game. Definitely, I wanted to look at. I wanted to make a world and have this college not have to worry about diversity because something I wanted to, I made it very clear. I talked to my mentor about this for like hours and I was like, I want a show, a college show about like black college students. And like, obviously these characters are like tiefling or whatever, but they're black. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) These characters that are black that don't have to worry about diversity, that don't have to worry about going to a PWI, like a predominantly white institution, don't have to worry about that. Now, still worrying about money, like if you come from money or not, still want to explore that. Because I think that there's 
the there's this disparity in the black community in a lot of communities where the richer you get a lot of people that are like lower income see richer income people like see higher income people in a different class of them because like financially they might be or sociologically they might be or economically defined by the government they're in a different tax bracket yeah (laughs) but there's just like there is this like cultural divide of like you're too good for us or whatever and i really wanted to explore that because Mm. i ran into that at my college but i didn't want it to be focused on black pain (laughs) i was like this is my biggest thing i don't want it to be about black people suffering Mm -hmm. like if you have money then we figure out how you have money and we just do it like that's just a yes um and you'll see characters who are like i fully have a park like one of the parks (laughs) on campus is my parents and then you have another character that's like i don't come from money screw you and like that's not that's like we explore it but that's not like a main issue um it's like themes like that that i wanted to i wanted to do diversity but still exploring the black community still exploring what that looks like i wanted to explore sorority and fraternity life i was in a sorority surprisingly enough which is something nobody ever believes but i was <laughs> I can, it's one of those things where i can see it either way yeah. you know where it's like never in a million years or <laughs> deeply 100 percent. yes and that's um, those are the only two settings yes and the sorority experience was it was interesting but I basically broke it from the very start. So <laughs> that was fun. And I wanted to see what that looked like on this campus. I really, really wanted to see. I just like, I love shows where black kids get to just have fun. Yeah. And so, kids. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I immediately like, this is after I pulled the cast together, but I immediately started being like, what was like, what kind of stuff do you love seeing in like, TV shows about college. What do you want? Like, what scenes do you want? And the second that people were like, oh, we want a mall scene. I was like, oh, I love, oh, I love that so much. Of course, of course you need a mall scene. Yes. Like things like that. That's like little tiny pieces of TV that I was like, oh, this is necessary. We need like a pool party. We need like a this, we need a that. Um, We need the rich kid that like everyone dunks on. We need him. We need uh, the character that everyone loves but he's super quiet and super big like big huge teddy bear we need that character of course um we i want to play like around with the idea of like black parents and expectations that black parents put on kids and how that looks different when you have money versus when you don't and the thing is those those experiences are so like duplicit like they're they're just there's so many of them that I don't have to be like, I want to explore rich parents and non-rich parents. I can be like, right. hey, parents, just make yeah. your character and then make your parents and tell me what they're like and we'll mm-hmm. explore that. And and it was just, it was one of those things where I was pulling a bunch of inspiration from TV shows I used to watch, TV shows my parents watched, TV shows my sisters watched, um, movies, uh, and then even like looking at Harry Potter and being like, they don't have any fun. Like, jeez. <laughs> like, they have Quidditch. Once yeah. a week, and then they go to class, and then maybe something interesting happens. Exactly. I'm like, maybe the most interesting thing about this school is the bullies. Like, oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> I was fully like, I think that Draco bullying anyone was like, I feel that, that the reason that the teachers really didn't stop it was because that was the most entertaining thing they had on campus. <laughs> and that's like so something mean, needs to happen. Like, yeah. Thank like, you for making it a little more exciting. Exactly. And so, 
it was one of those things where I was like, it's college. I went to a college where we weren't like a party school, but parties were happening like every single weekend and you just had to know someone to find where they were and you would get there. And I transitioned from a homebody into being someone who went out and partied like not a lot, but pretty constantly. Um, And so that I wanted to explore and see all of that. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to explore everyone else's too um, and see what they all thought of college, even if they never went like, just see what you how do you feel about college do you hate college students cool let's make a character who does that or Mm -hmm. like let's see what that looks like it's it's kind of pulling inspiration from everywhere all at once something you know that that comes across in a lot of your work obviously is a lot of a lot of genre stuff or a lot of referential stuff whatever right and and specifically for for the strix i'm curious how how are you finding the process or enjoying the process or whatever the, the proper verb is, you know, kind of marrying the, okay, cool. We're telling a piece of genre fiction, right? We're like, mm-hmm. we're throwing in all the tropes, all the college tropes, all the, all the like big themes we want to explore, all the identity things we want to explore, all the just like goofy mall episodes we want to explore yeah. <laughs> with, with the, the backdrop, right. And the setting mm-hmm. of like, and also what does this all look like in a magical sense? And what does it look like at this sort of an institution in a world that supports this sort of in- an institution? Mm-hmm. Um, are you, you know, kind of what's, I'm, I'm just curious if you could talk through kind of your experience marrying the kind of modern day college tale with the Strixhaven intensity <laughs> and, yeah. and themes. Yeah. I mean, I think that like something critical to this whole process was that I was also developing a world on the side Mm -hmm. while I was coming up with the story while I was gathering cast I was still world building and I like you could fully see me world building the world that this thing runs in Mm -hmm. on my stream like weekly while I and I could show receipts where I was like texting people still to be like (laughs) hey want to be a part of this thing so I think from the start I had my story And I not even had my story, but I started thinking of like, okay, I want to tell a story about like black college students, HBCU college Mm -hmm. where there's no like no diversity issue. And is it is it is it a full like is an HBCU um, like fully entirely as opposed to just a diverse one? I just want to clarify for the listener. So it's HBCU inspired more so Mm -hmm. and how the culture um, manifests there. But it's really just like an extremely diverse college. Like you don't have to worry about oh, it's more elves or anything like that. It's just like, nah, like we make it highly uh, highly obtainable for anyone to come to this college, meaning that mm-hmm. diversity will also unfold the way it mm-hmm. naturally should if you just Absolutely. make things more obtainable. Um, <laughs> so it's it's more so that. It's like yeah, a, yeah. that kind of thing where I'm, but I'm also making it kind of like a sample size of like the outside world too. And so some of the things that they say in the book about certain NPCs, certain characters, I started looking at that and started being like, okay, where does this person's parent, like, where do they live? Where do they work in my world? And then from there, I started taking and I made the Strix, I made it a bubble. And then I started making that bubble. I was like, okay, around this, who's looking there? Who? How do they get food? Who wants to live next to a college this big? Yeah. Your your world building process is fantastic and fascinating because you ask questions like that constantly. And like, again, I don't know if they're available anymore or if you're doing more of them or anything like that. It is so cool to hear 
the questions that you are asking yourself and then answering as you go. Yeah, because my brain just starts churning and I'm like, okay, colleges don't live on their own. And what helps, so my sister used to work um, in a advancement position where it's like, I'm going to go to all the alumni, like all the old people and ask them for money. Mm -hmm. And through that, I started seeing, okay, cool. Colleges cannot exist on their own. And no matter how much money they have, they will always say that they need more. So who <laughs> is funding this college to the point that the students don't hear that <laughs> there is an issue with money? Like right. things just get built. They don't they don't. And magic is a big part of that. But who's supplying that if all of these students are still learning um, and the professors have to focus on teaching and preparing their lessons? And so then I started thinking of outside structures that build themselves off of either hiring students from this college or sending things to these students from this college and kind of picking. And then the world exploded of just like <laughs> this King definitely picks students from this school to be the head mage to be, or like mage, mage yep. in training and then master um, like blacksmith apprentice. Like he specifically only wants the best of the best from the school. Great, cool. With, this with agency ideas in mind and strategy and exactly. politics and exactly. yeah, yeah, all the good stuff. And it's like, I've never really run a politicky game before where it's been about like what's going on in the president's mind or like the king's mind, that yeah. kind of thing. Mm -hmm. But this was a game where it became because everything is like I like I said, it became a bubble and I needed to see all those strings going outward mm -hmm. and back to it. Um it became immediately a politics game where I was like, okay, I need to start doing that. So that's kind of where I married the two. And it's also similar to Bob's Battle Tavern where I had the idea of a Bob's Burgers one shot. And I was like, okay, these characters exist. I they feel, did you come up with that like on Twitter? Yes. Like I feel like I remember seeing on Twitter you coming up with the idea and then suddenly it was a thing that, yes. that exists. That's anyway, literally it. please carry yeah. on. Like, please continue. It, <laughs> it becomes a thing where I come up with conflict. So cool. He owns a tavern. Mm -hmm. He's got – there's a dude that lives in the town over that always has more like – company than he does like always has more customers than he does um and this man's just trying to get by what is the biggest conflict this man could have and then my players introduce themselves and i'm like cool they are the biggest problem that he could have <laughs> <laughs> as is often the way when it comes to talking about player characters exactly so it it's it's this thing where i will come up with the characters or like even thinking of like, um, eventually I will get around to do my um, Shit's Creek thing. <laughs> and once I do that, it will be, okay, cool. I have these characters. Let me put them in a bubble and then see everyone that wants to mess with these characters. Like everyone that <laughs> wants to either, someone wants to kill them. Someone wants to make sure they get back into their kingdom. Someone wants to marry the son. Someone wants to marry the daughter. Like it's just one of those things where I'm like, okay, cool. I'm going to put them in a bubble and see how the world interacts with them. That way, when I pop it, things start off and yes. they don't have to like it just <laughs> unfold from there. So that's kind of like been the process of like marrying things together is I start with something, a little, little thing. I seal it up for later consumption, throw it into the ocean and then build the world around it. And then I go fish for the little thing out of the ocean, yep, bring it back up and then smash toss. it on the ground. Exactly. In the middle of it and run away. Yes. So what if you can if you can say no pressure, mm -hmm. what what is what is the conflict of this show? Oof. What's you know, like what's the what's 
what is what is the this thing you smash on the ground? Yeah. But like, can you tease it? What I will say mm-hmm. is that in this game, Strixhaven is a regular college. It's a very very regular grandiose wondrous college where anyone who is anyone sends their kids Mm -hmm. but the most important thing for these students is to be placed somewhere that after college they will flourish Mm -hmm. they will be able to basically get the jobs that they want or their parents want so pretty much the conflict is internships (laughs) yep that's that's what i will say and fucking great Anyone that can get you the internship you want is like has basically like not. Yeah, they're very important. They have power. (laughs) Um, So I will say that's that's what the conflict is, is like getting that internship that you need, because otherwise um, you kind of either fall into an adventurous guild or you hope that your parents can pay you into a spot. And that doesn't always work for people. Yep, absolutely. And 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 we'll leave it there. Yeah, we'll leave it there. I and before we we move on to the next thing, I was curious. Like we've said many times, you did a lot of this building yeah. live on Twitch, and like you said, like sometimes texting people to be like, you know, actively on stream, literally putting this whole thing together. Yeah. And has that changed or affected your process in any way? Like, what was what has that experience been like? Um, because I've done a tiny bit of world building on stream before, and mm-hmm. I loved it. But it's different yes. um, and changes things, especially if you're talking with chat at all or have people there. It's just a, a different energy. So what, yeah. what was that like for you? And do you recommend it? <laughs> I highly. OK, it just depends. So I'm the kind of person where I love questions. I mm-hmm. love learning and I love being the person that like. If anybody's going to learn today, it's going to be me mm-hmm. um, to the point that like. Even playing magic, magic is full of like white dudes that are like, I know better than you and I'm going to pub stomp you and you're going to learn today about how great my deck is. <laughs> I have gotten to the point where I will humble myself, humble myself, air quotes around air, humble, yeah, air quotes. I will smile in that white dude's face and ask them what card they used to do that and learn. It, it, I would rather learn than be like, mm, like angry, <laughs> like it should not have happened. They should not have pub stomped. Like, absolutely not. But, like, if I recognize there's something that I can use later <laughs> from this, like, learning For future crushing, I will just do it. Like, I will mm-hmm. just sit there. Even I'm in computer science as well. Another area that has a lot of dudes that <laughs> pride themselves on how much they know. If I already know the base level foundations of everything and I'm just asking a very specific question and a dude decides to go on an entire rant about everything that he knows, including, and then finally get to the last piece that I was asking for, I will sit there and smile in their face and get the entire baseline ground level understanding and then, or like review, I guess, just to get to the last piece. Not always am I that patient, but that's where my (laughs) brain is. And so when people come on stream, I'm extremely patient because I want people to throw questions at me. Like I want someone to be like, oh, is there an acapella group at the Strix? And then I can be like, oh, yeah. But then I also want people to come in and be like, so how are you handling this thing that I just talked about five minutes ago? Right. I have the patience baked into me already to be able to just be like, oh, I can reiterate if you would like. Um, Make some space, basically. Yeah. And I think that that because it's in my personality to learn, to be patient and to wait, like wait on people to respond, wait on people to join or whatever. 
it's perfect for me. Like it's the perfect time. I feel like I'm being productive. I feel like I get things done, but also um, it feels super interactive too. And I also like that people see some of their stuff in my one shots or see some of their Mm -hmm. stuff in the world that I'm building. And they will see some of the stuff in my world and people will be able to be like, Oh my God, I helped with that. Or like, I watched when she built that or whatever, because I think that it's, it's interesting. It's fun. So I highly recommend it. If that is your personality personality type some people would rather sit for a full year and lock themselves in a room and just figure out every single population number and every person (laughs) that makes up that population and the square footage of every single city that is great that is also a way of working that is not super conducive for stream therefore i would not recommend it no that's that's true but yeah i think building on stream has been fun because like i said i get the input of people saying things like oh well in my world there's actually dragons who do this thing all the dragons are chefs and therefore it's a chef quest for everyone to go get like a dish made by a dragon and that's what my players are going after and i'm like that's so cool i would have never heard that yeah if right. i was not streaming at this moment yep and here for you to say that to me like i love that kind of input there have been also streams where my players from the Strix come in <laughs> and just like blow up chat. And yeah. that is like so much fun. Mm-hmm. If I'm working on things with NPCs, like I made an NPC uh, sheet, like a huge Excel sheet that had each NPC from the Strixhaven book. That's about the only thing I'm keeping from Strixhaven, um, the, the actual textbook. But I took all the NPCs and I asked my players what their dispositions were towards them. And I gave them uh, like four colors of like, I love this person. I'm friends with this person. <laughs> I hate this person. Don't know this person. They added eight more colors and then <laughs> just like blew up the chart the and dream. like, yeah. And started typing in like, oh, th- I, I sell weed to this person. Like that kind of thing. So I'm like, cool, cool, Noted, great. noted, noted. Yeah, yep. exactly. And so <laughs> when I was making the sheets, I was making a um, little worksheet I was using about rumors. I started building rumors for Strixhaven NPCs. Yeah, I, I watched part of that stream. It was yeah. a lot of fun. It was nuts because we're coming up with fake things and people are able to input little things that they've heard about people in college also just like really funny fake things and then so like half of the cast of the Strix came in and they were just like blowing up certain characters (laughs) i hate them like i bully them so hard or like i love this character i i stand this character it was so great so i feel like when you're world building when i was world building for my disney campaign i kind of had to keep to myself i didn't really know anybody that played D, so i didn't yeah get to like nerd out about it to anyone it was very isolating i still had so much fun like i built the map out i, I had a lot of fun but building on stream is just different because i feel like those pieces and parts that i miss someone comes in and says something yeah or even just like mm-hmm. helping someone out and being productive what like us both being productive together as a byproduct of me world building is like kind of fun and interesting to me. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Again, your the streams were always so cool. And I always thought you did a really great job of, of talking through your process mm-hmm. while, while, you know, actively absorbing things and while, you know, kind of being very transparent and very, very accepting of ideas, even if they didn't fit, you know, you would talk through them. You'd be like, mm, I don't know if that works. Yeah. Here's why. But like, we'll pivot this way and that kind of stuff. So yeah, they're they're great fun. Just yes. Go track them down, everybody. Um, So what's Matt Mercer like, Lexi? <laughs> <laughs> so nice. Extremely nice. I Just extremely nice. That's that's it. Chaotic. Let him play imagine. D&D more. That's what I have to say. <laughs> 
Oh my gosh. Uh, can you, would you like to provide a little context? <laughs> no context. Just kidding. No, oh, um, yeah. I was going to say that it, you know, it's your interview. So <laughs> you're right. But it's if you're just show. like, no, no further comments. Yeah. No, Pass. no. Um, I basically DM'd a, another famous four shot. I'll call them those. Um, <laughs> that's a famous, fun, that's a fun one. Yeah. Famous if if, if no one uses that name, you should a hundred percent use that name in case you will. ever need content filler. Like, <laughs> oh it. yeah. Famous four shot. Um, I ran another famous four shot for, uh, Matt Mercer, Josephine McAdams, Michael Sinclair, the second, uh, Persephoroth, mm-hmm. uh, that, like Sefi, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, j- uh j- Joe Johnson, I'm so annoying. Joe Johnson, KP, who's oh my yeah. gosh, she's stellar. Um, yeah. I ran a four shot for all of them where we sat down in one day, knocked out a one shot, and it split up into four parts. It is so dope. It was so much fun. It's over on Tabletop Jocks' channel. They do a lot of Magic the Gathering stuff, but they've been dipping into D&D, mm-hmm. um, and we're hoping actually to put out more adventures and stuff. So if you want more D&D, poke them because... I, I will do more D and D if they allow <laughs> I, me. I will do it. Yes. <laughs> I will do the thing. Yes. Uh, but yeah, it was a very whimsical, wondrous, fun adventure. And we, I just let everyone kind of make their characters. All of their characters are literally bonkers. It's amazing. <laughs> oh my gosh. So a, of course I had to just ask, cause I thought you would laugh at it. Uh, <laughs> but the, the real questions behind that are kind of first and foremost, what was that experience like, not just in terms of the, you know, like the setup or anything like that, but getting to sit down, you said like you were listening, you were watching Critical Role, like mm-hmm. in the, in that year of like getting into D&D, Critical Role. And then you just, and then there's on top of that drops some of the big, like some of the biggest names in the space. Like some of my favorite like players and streamers all just like casually around a table and like having it become like a real thing where you looked around in person, saw all these faces and then had to run a game of D and D for these people who play a lot of D and D. Like I'm yeah. getting, I got anxious a couple of days ago, just thinking about how I would experience that. So, yeah. so what was that like? It was, I will say it was wild. Um, The second that, the first thing, I will say the whole thing started with the text of, do you want to run D&D for Matt Mercer? And I said, yes, (laughs) immediately. Yes, you Um, have to. Contractually obligated, you must, in in the D&D space, must just, you have to say yes to that question. You have to say yes. I was immediately almost, I I immediately almost spiraled from the stress and that idea (laughs) um because as the cast was revealed to me i was like also thinking like josephine mcadam Uh uh-huh like Mm -hmm. all of these sefi what Uh like all of these people and being like oh my god like how am i supposed to do this and i shut myself up (laughs) and i said I, I literally said, shut up out loud. And my girlfriend was like, what? <laughs> Don't worry about it. It's part of the and process. Exactly. You wouldn't understand. I had to say, shut up. And then I immediately <laughs> thought to myself, I said, I'm going to run a game that makes me feel fun. Like makes me feel comfortable. I'm going to yeah. run a game that I find fun. I'm going to run a game that is from my own brain and everyone else will love it. And that's what I, I literally kept repeating that Fucking over and awesome. over. And anytime I would get anxiety, like I would start like breathing really hard and like, I would get to the point where I was just like staring off into nowhere, like not even 
dissociating at that point but like getting really really close and i would just like ground myself by being like i'm gonna run something like repeating to myself i'm gonna run something that i find fun i'm gonna run something that makes me comfortable i'm gonna Mm -hmm. run something that's from my own mind and i did i did what i do best (laughs) i I found something that i was super inspired by um and for a little while i was using this monster book to like find monsters for a cute little museum um and i made myself a little night at the museum one shot and it's (laughs) It's it's so good. Um, <laughs> and it was good it turns out. It was so much turns fun. Turns out I'm good at doing at doing this thing. Yeah, I think afterwards I started feeling a little like it was weird because I didn't have imposter syndrome before. Like I really didn't Oh, uh-huh. I didn't really feel like oh, I'm a bad DM. They're going to feel like I I had a little tiny breakdown before just because I was also playing at that point time Magic Post Malone. So like all of it was coming together like Yep, also I'm casually dropping that in also. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I was just like I'm not good at any of this stuff. They've invited an imposter. I'm going to show up there and they're going to ask me rules and I'm not going to know anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and of, because of course, of course, that's what what would happen and what everyone is there for exactly. is, is to expose you personally. Exactly. It's all about me. Um, I am a Leo, so I will say that that's <laughs> very close to my thought process. But no, no, no. I had a little tiny breakdown the night before. And then when I got there, I immediately slipped into a different mindset. Mm-hmm. And the entire thing was like mind blowing. The entire trip was mind blowing. And I just kept my cool. It was when I was coming back that I was like, Oh no, (laughs) Uh I have to sit on this plane for six hours with my own brain Yeah, (laughs) and and try to process what just happened. (laughs) Yeah. Because everyone was so nice. And like everyone was as you, because they're just people like Sefi said, like the most nice thing I've ever heard like not even nice but like funny thing i've ever heard which is like if you're ever worried about meeting someone because they're like a celebrity just remember that everyone's had terrible diarrhea once and and that's enough you know Uh and she said that to me before we did this thing and i immediately i kept my cool the entire time (laughs) and afterwards i wasn't even mind blown that like i was like oh my god i just ran a game for like josephine mcadam for matt mercer for michael sinclair like all these people it became more so did that feel like an actual one shot? Did I started picking at things? Interesting. Like, oh, did I say that? You that? Went, yeah, yeah, went I into was... the like the the physical running of the thing mm-hmm. as opposed to did they like me and was yeah, it good? Was like, did that NPC? Did these two NPCs sound the same? Um, oh crap! Was that a was that a loose end that I did? That? Like I just started immediately doing that. Do and you do that? that in normal yeah. sessions? Sometimes. Um, sometimes I will... I get very nitpicky of the logistics of things, of me being like, oh, I should have used a different word for dark there. I should have used obscure. Or, like, things like that. But I've kind of... I'm glad because I've unprogrammed... Like, deprogrammed my brain from going to... I'm not good at being a DM. Rather than it being there, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, I wasn't descriptive enough. I wasn't this enough. Like, th- I could have described, like, someone asked me yeah. what the room looked like after I described what the room looked like. I probably didn't do a good job of that. So it was really an honestly great experience. Um, and even after that, it was good because I felt myself level out after that, like, plane ride. <laughs> um, but <laughs> it wasn't until, like, we started texting in the group chat afterwards after I had gotten home that I realized like everything was real. Like it had happened and I had done that and I could tell people that I had done that. Um, it was absolutely nuts. Um, but it, it was super fun. We kind of all got into a group chat 
beforehand and I asked them like what kind of characters do you want to make and like by now it's out so you can go watch it but like yep. the characters that people came, came up with was just like it was so much fun like we had two care two people that were like oh our characters are married we got an old man an old like old man old woman <laughs> mm-hmm. like they're freaks um <laughs> and they run this like one of them lifts and puts the pieces in place and the other one is the curator for everything so they always like argue about every how things are placed and things like that like it was super super dope um and then i just kept getting more and more chaotic suggestions for characters yeah. <laughs> I was just like, yes i could that, tell you don't play D often yes please mm-hmm. like it was so great so um it was super fun and i kind of just did it was really great because i got to do my normal dm thing which is like i want to have a session zero i want to make sure everyone knows my safety tools i want everyone to know that they're i want to have comfort at the table over anything else this is not for anyone but us yeah um if That's you want awesome. to stop and rewrite something at any point in time, we can totally do that. I'm good enough of a DM that if you suddenly need to like undo everything you just did, we'll figure it out. It's completely fine. And it was just one of those things where like it felt like a very natural, normal game. Mm-hmm. Everyone's people, so that makes sense. But still, right. like it was just it everyone was has scary. diarrhea. Exactly, everyone has diarrhea. Um, so it was just like a very normal, feel good sit around the table and I I what made me more nervous was that it was one of my first times running D&D around a table in over a year. Sure, yeah, that of course. Made me more nervous yeah. Than anything else. Yeah. <laughs> so of course. That that was it was it was really a really great experience. It was just one of those things that like mine like I had not even been in the space fully a year and to like to meet Matt Mercer was on my list and to meet all these people and like go to LA one day and like be able to meet like Josephine like Safi, these are all things that I was like, one day I'll get there. Right. Like to just be flying there and to realize like, oh, I have to make a new goals list now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, (sighs) and, and not only that, I have to make a new goals list and I have to check off all those things on the goal list because I've also surpassed all my goals there 10 times over. Yes. Um, well, then the other the other question, the other reason that I wanted to talk about that again, other than just it's fucking cool and I want to hear you talk about it, <laughs> yeah. was, was like you said, you've been in the space for a year, a year-ish, which mm-hmm. is, I think, you just a slightly longer, I think, than we have, give or take. Yeah. Um, and you have, you've exploded. You've done so many cool things. You're gearing up to do so many cool things, collaborations. You're DMing for that fucking all-star cast of people. <laughs> And, and, you know, and you still have, like, you still haven't debuted your, like, the, the quote unquote signature Lexi thing yet, right? Yeah. And so I'm just, I just would love to hear what your experience growing a space, growing a community, growing yourself throughout all of that, especially in that short amount of time, mm-hmm. what, what that, what that feels like for you um, and, and how you're navigating and how you're doing <laughs> going through all of that. It's definitely weird. I, I will say it's weird because it, I have blown up on this side of Twitter and nobody from like my real life knows or cares. Yeah. It's it's yeah. a very interesting thing, the D and D space, because it's still a niche of a niche. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's it's kind of hard. It's very lonesome. Um, I will say that because like I have a best friend who's super into D and D, like plays D and D and stuff, and super into D twenty, super into like Critical Role, that kind of stuff. But um, mostly because I introduced her, and because I got the group into playing like the Disney campaign 
two years mm-hmm. ago or however mm-hmm. long it was now. And since then, the interest has just like blossomed. And she kind of understands like what's going on and how big things are. Not a, She doesn't kind of understand. She understands. I think it's everyone else outside of her that is like, cool, you did it. Yeah, good right. job. Like proud of you. Seems cool. Um, Seems yeah. good. So it's been weird, but I definitely was trying to move very silently the first half, like first six months. Mm-hmm. I was just about making friends and saying yes to whatever I could. Um and getting into communities, not like trying to weave my way into things, but right. like be in a community. Exactly. There's things like Utopia where they actively like want people who play, people who don't play, people who love to talk about games, people who just want to hype up people who create. Um, I found through the temp- tabletop mentorship program that's they're on Twitter. They're really yep. dope. I was gonna ask about that. Yeah, it was it was really a dope experience because my mentor that I got, um, Jess at Burst of Hope on Twitter, just introduced me to a lot of people. And not only just introduced me to a lot of people, because it's one thing for people when you enter the space, you mm-hmm. see people that make Twitter, like, who should I follow? Jess, like, told me who to follow because they could immediately identify that I am pure of heart, dumb of ass, uh, <laughs> fully just. May we, may we all be, be yes. so. I just love people. I love talking to people, but because of that, I can get a little bit sidetracked. I can get a little, um, not even just sidetracked, but I, I can be a little gullible. Um, and so they immediately pulled all the stops mm-hmm. and like told me who to follow told me like started talking to me about where I wanted to end out and what my goals were by the end of our mentorship program and so started pointing me in that right direction um and then kind of where I started was just like tweeting my opinions like my actual opinions <laughs> and I never did any of like the follow Friday things I'm not shaming anyone who does I just never did them I just started off with being like damn, I kind of want to run a Shit's Creek campaign. And that, <laughs> that was the thing that like blew up first. And then everything like after remember that. remember that tweet. Yeah. And I don't know why, but. It was my pin tweet for forever. Maybe so, that, like, maybe that's just what it was. I don't know. But yeah, like I, t- I tweeted it. Everyone, like people immediately started following me and people immediately started interacting with me over that. And I started talking to people. And I think people by me just talking as myself and throwing my ideas out there and not being afraid, like, Mm-hmm. cool steal it great you did it good job if you needed that badly you needed it that badly yeah i, I, <laughs> I have give more it to you. Yeah. i got more stuff don't worry about it i was just like yeah i was very unabashedly like take the idea do it like this is what i'm thinking of um and willing to talk to people um which is something that i think that those like follow friday posts get correct is like interact with people talk to people right say things and actually sound like yourself and don't you know just lol at everything and be fake it's like sometimes you're gonna be happy with something sometimes you're gonna think something is over the top like the best thing anybody's ever said in the world sometimes you're gonna be like ah that was an okay idea and you can just be transparent about it be a person be a person so like that's like fully what i tell people because i get more recently i've had a lot of people come to me and be like how did you get to do that and it's like a very specific tone where it's like yeah different when someone's like oh my gosh how'd you do that like that's so cool like it's amazing that you got to do that where they believe you could have gotten there they're just like how did it go like what that's amazing versus 
how did you get to do that? Where they're like doubting you as you're a big old question mark. They're like, how did you get to do anything outside of what I immediately already perceived you yes. um, as being we able the same to do. thing for the Gizmodo article stuff Exactly, is like mo- the vast majority of people lovely once just genuinely so pumped, so mm-hmm. excited. But then the, anytime that someone was not, it was like neon flashing lights of like, Oh, I, I get your tone. I see. Yep. I see where you're coming from. Yep. More recently I've gotten people saying things like that. And the thing that I tell everyone is just, being a good person will get you a long way because mm-hmm. you don't have being good does not mean being nice. First of all, no being good means you don't have anything to worry about. You don't have closets that you have to be like, Oh no, hope nobody ever finds out about this. You don't have, you don't have like you have a level of transparency about yourself. Like I'm not trying to tell everyone I'm, you know, neurotypical i'm not trying to tell everyone like when someone says something that vibes hardcore with me because i'm neurodivergent i'm not hopping on to be like this is so weird of you and i'm also not being very very quiet about it i'm just like being a good person like i recognize when someone needs validation in what they are saying i recognize when i need validation in what i'm saying and i think like being a good person has helped me so much already just because um, I've seen people in the space that are good and they're not exactly nice. Like, I think there are some people yeah. that they're quick to just be like, I have to be saccharine level sweet. I have to immediately let everyone know that I accept them. And it's like, you can have standards for yourself and still be very, like, very popular and still be very yeah. loved and lovable. And that's where I think I sit is that like, and it seems, oh gosh. I've been okay. So I've been learning languages recently, and my brain yeah. is functioned to recognize <laughs> how many times I use the pronoun I. Um, and I just used I a whole lot. So Good I'm news. very embarrassed. Good news. We're talking about you. That's literally the whole scary. fucking deal. It's That's scary. the thing. It's scary. Um, either way, like, I just think, like, I sit in that pocket of someone who is not afraid to talk and, like, say things such as, like, I can say stupid things. I do not care about <laughs> sounding stupid because Absolutely. I recognize that I am that in real life. Like yeah. I, the things that I say in real life are completely the same as the things I will say on Twitter. Yep, 100%, um, same. And Someone I've asked learned, me literally today of like, yeah. how do you come up with so much Twitter stuff? And it's like, man, I just open up my brain and just nonsense spills out. And that's literally it. I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. Yeah. Yep. There's no secrets. Exactly. Exactly. From being me. Like fully it's, it's, it's just my brain. And so I'm just saying (laughs) things. I'm being as empathetic as I would be in real life. I'm being as neurodivergent as I would be in real life. I'm being as understanding. I'm being as transparent. Um, And I think that the thing is, is like I've recognized more recently that the internet needs boundaries and I have to set them myself. Mm -hmm. And so there's a level that I'm willing to go with people because I'm like, you're my friend. There's a level I'm willing to go with people because I'm like, I met you on the internet and I don't really know you. And I'm willing to like, I think I'm willing to like put those boundaries up, but I'm also willing to just be like open and have a stream where people can come in and say whatever they're working on and text, like message me things over Twitter, like their world or a document about a class they wrote or whatever, like fully okay with that. But I'm also okay with setting boundaries for myself and saying, I will never work with this person. I will always prefer uplifting these voices Mm -hmm. i will do these kinds of things i have friends over here and i have a community here and i need to recognize when this person 
is trying to approach me not as a community or not as someone who actually really likes me but wants to use whatever i'm garnering garnering right now yeah so i think like over time i've just found my little pocket and i think what people like is just like that i speak and i sound like myself Mm -hmm. that i love people yep love people very empathetic very understanding and i don't really say the right thing like i'm not not don't always say the right thing in the problematic sense but like i'm not a tweet machine a bot that always is talking about the next time i stream that's always talking about the next big magic release like sometimes i fully just like make fart jokes or talk about like choosing a bathroom at my office (laughs) and being like this is my bathroom was taken today my day is ruined like fully not afraid to make those kinds of jokes and i think that it's just like that's warming to see on twitter because it, it I don't know. I don't know exactly why, but I think it's a relatability thing again. And I think this is always a lesson, but also a lesson that I've certainly learned a lot the last several months is that some people are there to get, to get clout and Mm -hmm. to get popular and to get power and to get famous or whatever. Um, And you know how successful they are or how, how duplicitous they are or whatever aside is that people People can still recognize authenticity and people realize that when there is that excitement, when there is that like you are a real person who is just being a person, even with boundaries, even with all these other things. But like you're a person who's being a person and genuinely feels this excitement, feels this passion, feels these other things. And like, how can you not be interested in that? Yeah, I just like my girlfriend says I have like golden retriever energy and like. (laughs) I think that I bring that like golden retriever himbo energy and that's just like me being hype. Like I love hyping up people. I love hyping up my friends, like love hyping up people. I don't know that I see doing like, I don't know if you've ever seen like black people when there's like someone in a prom dress, like walking on the street. Cause black people will be like, okay, (laughs) we will just fully yell at the person and tell them like not cat call, but like yell and be like supporting the shit out of them. Especially if they're like taking pictures. Cause we know it's going to make them smile. We want to know we're supporting them. Even if we don't know their name, we don't know what school they go to. It's not important. It doesn't matter. And so it's like, that's the kind of thing I'm building. That's the kind of community I want. That's the kind of community I sit in and the kind of Twitter I'm building where it's like, you did something today holy shit that's amazing like absolutely i'm proud of you because Mm -hmm. i want to be like i would want someone to be proud of me if all i did today was woke up and showered like Mm -hmm. we deserve so much grace and kindness as humans and like i think that i just have baked that into my brain so that every interaction i have hopefully it comes off as like i support the shit out of you because you were human and you got up and chose to do that thing today mm-hmm. and it was remarkable enough to you that you tweeted at me about it or came to <laughs> and said something to me about it like that means it's remarkable to me like and I, I i think that like you said it's easy to spot when someone's just like oh my god that's so amazing oh wow like yeah. you really did that um congrats you did the thing like there is so so much like of that in the world um and i'd rather just be like you built a you you built a clown barbarian what yeah (laughs) i will tell you my feelings about these things yes and if i don't tell you anything I don't have any feelings about exactly it. because I, I have big, strong feelings about just about everything, even if I don't <laughs> like something. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm more than willing to share that and more than willing to have people that also share that. So I don't know. I think that that's like, that's been 
one of the reasons um, is that I found my pocket of people that appreciate how enthusiastic I am about their work and they're enthusiastic about mine. And instead of being extremely like, like, like positive or being extremely negative where it's about like either success in the tabletop space or failure in the tabletop space. I'm like, I'm trying to just be a person and I am glad (laughs) that everyone's along, along for the ride of me, like figuring out D and D figuring out other games, even figuring out game design, figuring out um, music composition, figuring out like all of these things. Yeah. Uh, And the fact that people are like willing to sit there with me while I do that is like, extremely like it means a lot yeah it's cool as fuck yeah oh my god (laughs) it's really cool to find cool people who are willing to just exist around you yeah it's nuts and making friends is so hard that's another whole conversation that doesn't have to happen but like (laughs) it's fully just like friends 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 are are so hard but yeah because friends are good and like the shared experience is good and ugh, like ah it's so good when you find good people Mm -hmm. (sighs) mm-hmm so good speaking of good people you and you've mentioned several people already mm-hmm. um and played with several people it sounds like but you know kind of who i'm always interested to know because i feel like it's very it's very tell or can be very telling what are some of those like heroes and mentors or not even heroes is maybe too loaded of a term but like tent poles you know people who yeah. you look at and say I like them because of this reason and I am inspired by them or I am empowered by them Mm -hmm. or whatever, whatever, again, whatever appropriate verbs you have to throw at them. Yeah, definitely. Um, I mentioned their name earlier, but Jess, Mm -hmm. um, Jess is like one of the lead people at Utopia. They're just amazing. They're one of those kind of people that like understand. And I say this every single time I tweet about them. They understand how my brain (laughs) looks at things Mm -hmm. and there's very few people that can do that that understand that my brain is never looking at logistics i want to do stuff um i want to do stuff and i want to do it good and that's about (laughs) it uh i i don't think about like budget i don't think about like i think about time but i don't really think about budget i don't think about like I, i don't do math i don't do any of that kind of stuff no science um just story idea person yeah exactly i'm an idea person and i'm a story person and they kind of understand that i think that way and they've done a great job of like understanding that and tons of other people in the community have the same exact story of like them talking to them and they're able to empower people to run games that would have never picked up games um if it weren't for utopia if it weren't for Mm -hmm. them like because of the empathy and like it takes a specific kind of person to support other people um i think that that's something that a lot of people don't think about like and i think that's why some of that false sugar when it comes to like people on Mm -hmm. twitter that are like i love helping people i love doing that you can point those people out specifically because it takes a certain level of like doing and takes a certain level of outside of just like you have to recognize who you can support and do it well and Jess like is such a great asset to like everyone and such a great person and such a great resource but then also such a great creator and creative um and they've like really helped culminate some of my senses when it comes to APs when it comes to um advertising when it comes to budgets things Mm -hmm. like that like things i'm doing now that i would never have thought like never have thought i'd have to do that or never thought i'd have (laughs) to do yeah right (laughs) 
that's not you, that's not part of a planning a D and D campaign. Most of the yep. time is none yep. of those things. Yep. And now I'm like, oh, I have to pitch. Now I have to come up with a budget. I got to think about like I got to figure out how my players are going to get paid. Like yeah. all that kind of <laughs> stuff. And they're extremely helpful with seeing me uh, as I am and like talking to me on a level that I understand. Yeah, um, that's cool. To make it more obtainable. So it doesn't feel like, oh, pitching is something that I can never do. Or like I said, a number and like something that we talk about a lot um, is there are people and I live in Ohio. So like there's a lot of people that when you prop up an idea, when you say, oh, I want to make a short film, I want to write a story. They poke holes because they think that they're helping you because that's how yeah. a lot of Midwestern people <laughs> that are not creative think is like. Well, what is the what characters you're gonna use? Well, that's already been done, actually. That's that sounds a lot like Star Wars. That sounds a lot like this. And they think that they're helping because they think, oh, well, that will make you be more creative and think out out of the box. Right. Like and really and we'll avoid the traps and the pitfalls and like I'm we're helping you. We're getting yes. moving stuff out of the way ahead of time. Absolutely. Yeah. But really, it takes those people that are able to say, like, I want to make a short film. How much money do you need? Um where do you want to shoot it at? That's a really cool idea. Do you have a camera already? Like we could figure out how to get a camera. <laughs> Those kinds of people are essential to every single creative process. And Jess is one of those people. Yeah. And that is something very authentic, very genuine about them is that they, they can do that. And they're the kind of person that can support other people. Um, and I, I fully hope that the one day the tabletop space is able to support them this like in the same exact way where it's like, hey, here's all the money in the world because you deserve it. Here's all the time in the world because you deserve it. Here's all the everything you need in the world because you deserve it because they do. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's 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 a rare I feel like it's a rare thing in a lot of ways in the tabletop space yes. to get a mentor, you yes. know, a true and one not just any mentor, but one who gets what you need. Yeah. And can understand the footprint that you want to be in and how to get you there and that kind of stuff. Um, and there's a lot of people who are great and who do do that work, but it's, there's, there's never, never too many of them for certain. Exactly. Yeah. I think Jess is someone that the tabletop mentorship program brought me. Um, Daisy Grant, actually, um, Daisy Grant, she is Mm -hmm. on Twitter, I think at Daisy Grant, but, she true. actually was someone I reached out to when I was first getting into the space. And she's the one that pointed me at the tabletop mentorship program. And hmm. it's so interesting because I don't get to say that very often. But like in terms of like being a resource, absolutely was someone mm-hmm. because there was a whole conversation in the tabletop space a year and some change ago <laughs> where people were saying mentors are hard to come by. How do we get people mentors? And I reached out to her and she immediately like, put me on to that's awesome put me on to uh hold up let me make sure pronouns are correct here yes okay yes 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 a wise at a wise artist on twitter um but she has just really worked on a lot of great things and i reached out and she responded and we started emailing and then she sent me towards the tabletop mentorship program and ever since then we've just been like i've just been like flourishing it's been great to like have her reach out and be like hey it's so good yeah. to see you. and i'm like yes <laughs> yes of course oh my God. Of course it is. Yeah, I think in terms of like mentors, heroes, both of them, and then like I want to be just when I grow up. And then um, out of scope people, like people I'm not like directly in contact with, but inspire me, encourage me. Um, Orion D. Black, Mm -hmm. they're just dope. 
creative yeah. director for D20. <laughs> Correct. Um, I think that's just a good one word descriptor. Yeah. I am close with that closer with them <laughs> and like we we are friends but i still consider them like a hero mentor um abria ingar big time mm-hmm. jess and i had many conversations where i was like i want to be like abria <laughs> i want to have a, a summer of abria um and then fall of lexi's coming it's happening it's i don't know uh, we'll workshop the title. i don't like fall of lexi's we'll, not i like mm. it why not why not well autumn autumn of lexi yes okay wait summer of lexi and then fall of lexi is when i uh, <laughs> is when you get canceled yes i get canceled i'm planning um i'll get canceled for the worst take in the world i'll be like checkers is better than D, and then they'll cancel me and i'll yep, be like just done. this is it i planned it <laughs> just as i just as as the arc that yes. I, I plotted out years ago yes exactly but Abria Iyengar, absolutely big time. She stays in her pocket, and that's what I want out of life. That's literally it. She stays in her pocket, and people appreciate about her. Appreciate that about her. That's where I want to live. Um, and then Brennan Lee Mulligan, big time. Just that was the that was the DM that inspired me to make the campaign. It just recently ended, but like the campaign that I was running after the Disney campaign, just inspired me big time. Um, and. I consider my style to be very similar to his. Um, so a lot of my inspiration comes from being like, holy shit, like this, this other human exists. Um, and sometimes he says things that make him feel like unreal. And I'm like, yeah, that that's, that's how, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's very good. <laughs> yeah, he's very good. And he very has good. like this interest yeah. in philosophy, like got his major in philosophy and did a lot of like, mm-hmm. got a degree in screenwriting. And it's like my background of like being, interested in sociology and philosophy and then doing a lot of music and screenwriting growing up like mm-hmm. a lot of it sim aligns and i'm just like oh god like this dude <sighs> <It> just... <laughs> no no words needed just sounds. breathe very hard just like <laughs> puff. what other higher compliment could there be it's makes true. me breathe really hard it's yeah true just, uh, uh, i understand i get yeah, it deeply I think that's like every like there's so many more people than that that like are even in the space and i'm like i am inspired by this thing that you do and i try to tell people i try to tell people very often like i am in awe of what Got you're to. doing because of this um j and b from planet arcana i'm just gonna throw that out there 100 yep. heroes absolutely heroes. i want to be by uh, reckless attack is a better show because i listen to planet arcana yes 100 i was okay nathan i want you to know you started that sentence and I almost leapt through the screen. I'm glad you edited it the way that you did. Not because I don't think Reckless, Reckless Attack is a better oh, show. You think, were you like, thinking that I was going to say you, Reckless Attack is a better show than Planet Arcana? I would <laughs> never. I would never in a million bazillion years. And I know that at least Jay is listening to this episode right now. And and I won't even I won't even joke about it. In fact, I will take this opportunity because Jay can't stop me. Is that oh. I actually I like I like Planet Arcana. Planet Arcana is one of the few pod, actual play podcasts that I look at and I say I could never do what you do. I could never do it as well as you do. Mm-hmm. And like I'm not going to say I won't say you are a better show than us because that's not what you're supposed to do in magical positive thinking. This is true. But like it's fucking amazing. Like it's just like so breathtaking all the time. It's inspirational. Both of you are like inspirational. And I listen to, I used to listen to a lot of AP, like watch a lot of APs, listen to a lot of podcasts for D&D. I don't listen to anything now. 
other than play, like playing Arcana, <laughs> Reckless Attack, even NADPOD, I've had to like get back on top of listening to NADPOD because at some point I had to start realizing, like at, at one point it was all for reach, research. It was all like, why is this entertaining? Right. Why do I want to listen through this? Why do I want to watch this AP all the way through? What's actually good about this production and what could they do better and what would I do? And not um, enough people do, do not that. enough people do that, I think. Yeah. And that I was did a like, lot of that and yes. I think not a lot, not enough people do. Yes, I watched a lot. And that's like like that entire first half of my uh, career was like watching the space and watching how people did it and researching and just figuring it out and figuring out where I wanted to sit when it came to what I do specifically. Um, and not a lot of people do that. I immediately clung to both of your shows because of the quality. And I was like, this is, if I ever do a podcast, this is where I'm going to like, it's going to be like, I'm going to talk to both of them. I'm going to figure it out. And I just like I I could not understand how like I don't know not a lot of DMs can make me actually like feel things and make me actually like care about that. characters 100%. and stuff and y'all like have such a great aptitude towards that so J and B I just, are like, bonkers at that oh I mean and so were the players but like yeah. J and B are that's that's one of the many ways wherein they shine is yeah. that they the characters they create are standout exclusive yes. always Exclu yes. all, like no there's no dud npc yep never. never no no opportunity is ever missed yep even if it's exactly. a big swing even if it's a miss which never happens but like they would still be taking a swing at yep. every single opportunity and i yeah deeply it's, love that um it's nuts but it's yeah nuts. both i meant you too also by the way but anyways i'm ignoring that yeah um, do it. I the do last it. question that i had because yeah. I've kept you for so fucking long. Thank you for being here. <laughs> no worries. Um, is is what are, what are your what are your goals? Like you said, you already said that you've already smashed <laughs> goals <laughs> that you've set, and like and pie in the sky goals. If I'd like to meet this person, and and now that you are at what I view from the outside as an incredible turning point, mm -hmm. you know where like show is launching, you're getting all kinds of fucking so exciting traction and pe you know people are seeing you and are excited about your stuff because you're awesome and you create good stuff but like what do you have an idea of what the trajectory is specifically are you just kind of riding the wave or where where are you at yeah i mean right now i'm kind of riding the wave i'm trying to get the strix out there and be super hyped about that and chrome and everything um or kill screen kill screen mm -hmm. but i think that like I still have this like goal of like, not only just, I, I really want, Oh God, it's so hard to say these things out loud. Uh, yeah, um, absolutely. Of course it is. It's yeah. so difficult. I'm, yeah. I'm so glad I am not the one being interviewed Yes, it's so because, hard. <laughs> because it's tough, especially when you get into the specifics. Yeah. So it's difficult. Understand entirely. Exactly. Like I think that my biggest goal, I want to do live shows. I think that's my biggest goal. I think both for conventions where I pull up and I make a character and we, you know, we, we work beforehand, but we do the whole charity, come on stage, work on uh, play for hours kind of thing at like a comic con situation. That would be a big dream. I think running for a comic con situation would be a big dream. Um, I want to be on D20 so bad. Mm -hmm. uh, not only just you'd crush by the yeah, way, I, I think I would. I'll you would i you would yep yeah i mean I like 
I'm glad that you're saying that because like, correct. Yes. That is a true statement. I think D20 would be a goal and then working for them would be a goal as well. I think that that's like a big thing. My brain is like, my brain is like, I want to do that so bad. Yeah. And um, you, you want to be in the tabletop space, like as a, as a job. Yes, I, I think that's my end goal. Mm-hmm. I really like the process of, like you said, I, I want to do the thing where I have a show idea, I throw the pie in the sky, and everyone says, how do we catch it? And yeah. everyone looks around and says, cool, let's figure out how to make this happen. And then we get to work doing that. And I work alongside everyone doing that. I would love to just work in a place where i could throw things out there and run games of my dreams be part of games of my dreams but then also like have my hand in all of the behind the scenes stuff yeah um and i think that that's my that's my end goal is to very Mm -hmm. much like have a spot have a space where people love to watch what i'm watch the stories that i'm telling and they're excited to see what i do next and i get to make and be proud and continuously make Mm -hmm. um I think it'd be really cool one day to have my name in a Watsy book, to have my name as like a writer or Mm -hmm. consultant or whatever in a Watsy book. I think that'd be really cool. Yeah, I think a lot of my things center around performing still and center around being the person who is just like able to perform, able to kick it, able to be a professional black nerd. Like that's where my landing spot is. I want to be a professional Mm -hmm. black nerd. I want to like be able to go to movie screenings and talk about movies and do podcasts and like do all the shows, host things, perform and act and stuff and still run these D and D games and be a part of D and D games and have that be like a daily thing that I do as my job. So I think that's like my end goal is to land somewhere in there Game design is super interesting too, but I think like my calling and my passion is very much like taking the systems and then like writing the stories that mm-hmm. amplify the, what the system's doing. So mm-hmm. I think that's where I want to sit. Seems fucking good and uh, appropriate. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yes. That, that is, um, I know, I know that it's fucking obviously different in that there's bills to pay and all this other stuff, but like, if it helps, you are already in a place where uh, hopefully you feel that many of those things are true, yeah. where there are a lot of people who want to see the shit that you're doing and and are there for it and are just like, yep, cool. Whatever's next. That'll be great. Let's sat, like saddle up. Absolutely. Let's do it because Lexi's doing it. Yeah. Yep. Done. Absolutely. I hope that you, you feel that frequently uh, because you deserve to because it is true. Thank you. Let's 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 just hope that the D and D thing sticks around for another I don't know thirty years. Yeah, so right. A I career can, amount of time. Yeah, that'd be that'd be pretty great. Like I can move on to anything after that. Like I can move on to film writing or whatever from D and D. But I think like the goal right now is quit the day job and be able to tell stories for a living and yeah. be able to have friends that also tell stories that tell stories along with me and we just talk about human experience without me having to write out a full script and pitch the script to someone and <laughs> yeah just do, do all that kind of stuff just do the thing exactly absolutely exactly. lexi you've made it to the lightning round finally I'm ready. <laughs> after the marathon conversation that we've already had i'll give you the usual preamble this is free form it is on you i will try my best not to interject unless i am forcibly compelled to 
You can say one word answers, totally reasonable. You can say whole long, you know, spiels, get on a soapbox, say whatever you need to say. I will ask no follow-up questions again, unless I like, there's some that I have to, but it is yours to do with as you will. And you can also just say, yep, don't have a good answer for that. Perfect. Are you ready? I'm so ready. Is your glass half full or half empty? Of what? That's it. What excites you creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? People. Conflict. Passion. Hatred. Strong feelings. That's it. What does not excite you creatively, spiritually, or emotionally? Oof. Marvel. (laughs) But Marvel before this year. Anything before this year is just a dud for me. (laughs) What is your favorite sound? I really like wood carving. Really like wood carving. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, I've been watching, uh, I've been coming across a lot of those, like the ones where you have like the really intense intense things and it's just the that kathunk that yeah. thunk oh absolutely so good yes what sound do you hate uh chewing <sighs> chewing styrofoam mm-hmm. i politely ask Steam. anyone within the vicinity i'm like hey so sorry you have to take that outside shut the door and i'm gonna turn on music yeah and i'm gonna pretend you don't exist yes it's fucking same literally same what is your favorite word um labyrinthine what is your least favorite word flummox <laughs> what tabletop role-playing game or D monster have you not faced or run that you would love to um a griffin actually surprisingly Ooh, that's a good one that's yeah. a classic one and like yeah not on the top 10 list i feel like for a lot of folks but is everyone knows a griffin everyone loves yeah. a griffin what is your favorite adventure of all time? And it doesn't have to be a tabletop role-playing game. It can be something you read. It can be something you wrote. It can be someone else's show that you watched. But what what adventure spoke to you? The adventure that spoke to me. Coraline. I really love that adventure Ooh. of mm-hmm. finding yourself and like, mostly because I know I would have failed uh, immediately. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think kid. a lot about how I would not be a very good <laughs> I would have buttons in my eyes. In yeah, a lot of things. It would have been so bad. But Coraline and the change, the shift that she goes through without saying like, you have to be extremely nice mm-hmm. to your parents. It's like, it's just a very nuanced shift. And I like that adventure a lot. What is your favorite tabletop role-playing character of all time? It doesn't have to be, again, could be yours, could be a player you had, could be from a show. Uh, I will say my best friend's D&D character, she plays a uh, half-elf wizard, uh, evocation wizard, um, and her family, she travels around with this little tiny honey dragon because her family owns oh. a chain of honey restaurants, and she hates them oh, and hates dragon. that they make money a lot. So she, she like, they were not rich, and then they got rich, and she was mad that they're, like, hypocrites now and ran away, and... The little honey dragon always like would just blink, sits around and blinks. So cute. (laughs) But that character had a lot of growth and she plays that character very well. Um, And so I I really like that character a lot. Holy shit. I love honey dragons. Anyway, I don't know what they are, but I I need, I know (laughs) all I need to know about (laughs) them is that it's honey dragon. Yeah. What more, what more do you need? Exactly. Last question. What gives you hope? Music. That we have said words in hundreds of thousands of languages for hundreds of thousands of years 
millions for however long and language <laughs> continues to develop mm-hmm. and we can still hear and experience new things that touch us and move us and make us feel like we've been seen um and that certain lyrics can like really identify and label you not not label but like read you for filth um and <laughs> we've had words and stories and oratory arts for years and some you might hear a song for the first time and it absolutely rocks your shit that gives me hope <laughs> that people can still see people and empathize mm-hmm. with people and tell those like say those things and mean so much well lexi you have run the full reckless attack gauntlet the jumbo the xl reckless attack gauntlet yes. and as as your grand reward your xp at the end of this particular module one last time tell everyone who you are, where they can find you, how to support you, what to look for, all the good stuff. Uh, amazing. Yeah, my name's Lexi, otherwise known as Black Girl Mage. You can find me. Where can you find me? Um, around. around. <laughs> Some places, for sure. Somewhere. Um, if you wait till late at night and then look out in space, you will see me flying in the sky. Behind me trails a beautiful flag that says, uh, <laughs> at Black Girl Mage, which, which is where you can... <laughs> Do you, you rent can... that space out? That would be really useful. You should. I mean, if you're looking for other revenue streams, that could be that could be very nice for you. Oh yeah, that'd be actually great. Um, but yeah, you can look up at Black Girl Mage on Twitter and Twitch. Um, as Nathan and I talked about, I do a lot of D and D streams every Tuesday from seven thirty to ten. I do a D and D world building streams. This week I took a break off, but you know what? You're not here right now. Now is not your now. Therefore, you don't know what I'm talking about. Indeed. Um, space and time is very weird, but. Yeah, I usually do world building streams where I talk about my world. I invite other people to come work with me. And I've been told by a bunch of friends that it's helpful to have someone productive doing something like and so that you can mirror it in order to do productive things yourself. I don't know. It's it's kind of fun. Um, we kind of talk and <laughs> it's chat. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. We talk and chat about a lot of D&D stuff. Uh, we think about a lot of things in D&D and other tabletop games. Um, and then on Twitter, you can find me just kind of talking about D&D games I'm running, D&D games I'm excited to run, um, ideas and thought trails, random jokes that I make. And I do a lot of talking and chatting about magic as well um, because I play a lot of Commander. So if you're into magic as well, you can find me there uh, and, you know, talk to me about magic stuff other than <laughs> that you can also find the strix or strix yeah. you whichever one we choose um hopefully out uh pretty soon mm-hmm. that will be on my channel so twitch.tv at black girl mage you can catch when that will actually be out on my twitter um i will probably make a whole big post of when it's actually going to premiere but you can see it it'll probably come out bi-weekly from that point onward and yeah, everything after that, you can check Tabletop Jocks for the other one shot. All the you things can check, and the places and yeah, the games. Where and the... else? Tabletop Jocks. What else? Can, game Nights. I was on Game Nights. That's a whole thing. Whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just a, it's a whole thing. You can find me everywhere. And all yeah, around. all over the place. Yeah. Check her out. She's all over. She's everywhere all the time. And it's great and perfect. <laughs> Lexi, thank you for fucking coming. <laughs> this you. is a delight. You are a delight. Everyone, please go follow Lexi. Check her out. You will want to consume all of the Lexi bits that you possibly can. And thank you for coming, Lexi. I really appreciate you. Yeah, I appreciate you so much. Thanks for making this space. Thank you.